Hi, my name is Miss Toto, and you're listening to Grizzly Kiki. This is a You want fat fish? I'ma give it to you tasty. Bread it up, fry it, and dip it in the gravy. You want fat fish? Yeah, you know you want to try it. Dip it in the butter, make the fat count higher. Higher, higher, higher. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker, an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as the iPhone X. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95. And they do sunglasses too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. You can choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way, you can try all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Daniel wears Warby Parker, and now he can actually see me. And I'm considering a divorce. Hey! So to get started, head over to warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Warby Parker. Modern eyewear made simple. Thanks a lot. This is Grizzly Kiki. I'm Daniel, and I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. I'm Robert, and I am body beautiful. And we're here with Miami royalty, Miss Toto. How are you? I am phenomenal. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I'm great. How are you? Oh, we're doing very well. We're both over here, like, with cheesy grins on our faces <laughs> because we are so excited to talk to you because we've kind of been obsessed for a while. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so this is like a... Like my, you know, my dream come true. Yeah. Um, uh, Meatball went to Miami and performed with you. And um, and I saw you in her Instagram feed. And I was like, who is this? She looks like a good time. <laughs> and then, you know, as is the case, I click through, click through, click through. And I was like, okay, let's follow this person. She looks cute. Like... Let's do this. And so that's when we got the opportunity to interview you or we were given the opportunity. Um, I was like, let's fucking do this. Because normally we like to meet the person first and see how all that goes. Because I'm sure I'm sure you know that not everybody gets along. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But yeah, we're so we're so excited to have you on. So you were saying you had um, you went out after the gig last night. Is that normally how you do it or no? So like, yes and no. So last night, my friend and I went up. It was so I live in Miami, but the gig was in Fort Lauderdale. So it was like a good 30 minutes north. Um, And Miss Thing got a little too drunk. And (laughs) I was like, well, let me drop this bitch off. So I dropped her off. And my roommate's straight. And I was like, oh, well, I wanted to go out and do like not gay things. So we went to um, a bar where I do a gay night once a week. So they took care of us, gave us food and drinks and stuff. So that was like the main goal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But then the bar closed and we're like, okay, well now what? So then we were out probably till five, which is normal for Miami. Wow. Wow. I know. (laughs) We fell asleep at midnight last night. Um, That was the goal. (laughs) 
Yeah, the goal, but rarely. Yeah, like, but it rarely, we rarely I, get there. Yeah. It depends on the night. Um, so where does the name Miss Toto come from? Because it's amazing. Um, well, okay. So <laughs> I got the name at a party that I used to like go to a lot. Um, they started the party as like a way for the queer community to really blossom and blow up. And they promoted it as if you dress non-heteronormative, you could get free drinks all night. So I was like, oh, yes, I will absolutely go to the bar and get free drinks and put on a wig, like whatever. (laughs) So I meet this bartender and he is just like really enamored by my personality, obviously. (laughs) Um, And he was like, you need to be doing drag. You're hilarious. I'm like, no, I'm all set. Like, no, thank you. No, thank you. The next month, I meet the hostess, the hostesses, and, and they were like, no, you need to be doing drag. Let's make your drag name. I'm like, no, I'm good. And they like run down all these different names, and Miss Toto was one of them. And Toto in Dominican Spanish slang means pussy. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like, it's also a brand of toilet, which I think is hysterical. And people can make it as PC as they want because it's also the name of the dog from The Wizard of Oz. So it's like <laughs> so many different little things you could you could make it be very PC. You could take it like the other direction. But my favorite is when I encounter people who speak Spanish and they're like, I, you know what Toto means, right? And I'm like, oh, my God, no, what's it mean? So just to throw them off a bit. <laughs> I love the way you said it. It's Toto. Like you just said it Toto. perfectly. Growing yeah. up, that was yeah. how it was, you know. Um, I love that story. That's like incredible. What was your initial hesitation with drag? I just didn't feel that I had the time and it wasn't something that I was interested in. Mm. Like I loved drag queens and watching them and all of that. Like I was a fan of drag race before doing drag, but this culture in Miami is very not on the same line of drag race. So this is my, like in Miami specifically, I was channeling like, I can't do this. This is not what I picture to be drag, but also these, these people are so invested and so good. And so like, these people are people that I could never be like, that's why I never thought about it. And it was never in my trajectory for, for what I was going to do. So I actually moved to Miami for grad school. So while, while I was like in grad school, finishing up my project and everything, I was started drag and my parents started to get worried. Like, okay, what's going on? Like, are you going to finish your degree or like, are you just playing dress up all the time? (laughs) And I did both. <laughs> of course, you can have it all. Yeah. yeah. But that was my initial hesitation. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have time for doing it. And I could never, like, be like these drag queens that I respected and, like, mm-hmm. looked up to so much. Well, and, and in doing that, you, you know, in, in pursuing it like you have, you created a niche that it seems like otherwise wasn't there. You know, it's, it's um, you know, you're this, this, this body queen, you know, this, like, glamazon that is rather different i assume from kind of the more pageanty drag that florida is known for um how did you how did you carve this out for yourself in in spite of all of those like obstacles there there's a scene in miami that's very well we call it the queer scene but it's it's more artsy and i think meaningful mm-hmm. so there it's all about expression of any sort so we have trans performers on the male and female spectrum there's like hairy queens bearded queens like every every little thing is represented so my first real interaction with like the scene were these two hairy bearded cuban drag queens <laughs> and i'm thinking their names are julesi y carla and i was like if they can do it i can do it too right like what makes their drag of the bearded hairy different than my musculature mm-hmm 
so it allowed me to like envision that I can do this and create, do whatever, because if they're able to do it, why can't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are yeah. no rules. Supposedly, no. there are no rules. No rules. Well, <laughs> there are there are no rules according to in Miami. In other cities, maybe there are some rules, but I've I've also noticed that I do cater. Like if I know I'm going to Fort Lauderdale, they don't live for like the genderqueer drag so i will cater to that audience and give them a beyonce number because mm-hmm. i know the electric is the electric bills due next week like mm-hmm. i need to like entertain and pay my bills at the same time yeah. yeah that's that's totally um that's totally something that people have to do yeah. like i mean and it shows your versatility also as a performer and an artist because you're you're feeding you know you're feeding one one aspect of the performer with another facet of it you know where it's um it, it it exposes more people to you, which I think is is kind of one of the end goals of of doing this art form. And so you know you you, you may go to Fort Lauderdale and do you know a more top forty number, but then people will be intrigued and want to know more about Miss Toto, and then you know find out all the other things about you. And I think that that's right. You know quite possible, and I I think it's amazing that that's you know um, what can happen by doing drag that way. Um, yeah, and my so specifically the the number that caught my interest was i saw you doing come on ride the train dressed dress harriet tubman <laughs> oh and i was like yes. holy shit that's fucking genius <laughs> and you know it's like there's um there's always like an entry point but it's just to me i like what i love about drag is when it's witty and interesting and like n- newly i'm okay with it used to be that I wanted to laugh whenever I saw drag and now I'm okay with like tears coming if it does. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just like, it's just so fascinating. And um, as part of our research, we also listen to your podcast and few episodes that are out right now. Mm -hmm. I think another one comes out next Sunday. Oh, I do it every two weeks. Yes. I love Miss Toto's podcast that doesn't have a name yet. In case and it definitely wondering. will not have a name. <laughs> so you're not you're no. not going to give it a name ever. No, ever. <laughs> I love it. That is, it's you know, it is a long version of Untitled. Fair. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So we we listened to the the two episodes that you have up, and of course we thought it was amazing. Um, and the one that really struck a chord with us was the first episode where you have your mother on, and you're kind of introducing yourself, you know, and, and, and talking about, um, your upbringing and, and how, uh, your mother and father and stepfather, uh, received you, you know, and, in, in all of your, you know, who you are. Um, and one of the things that we really enjoyed was when your mother was talking about how she always knew that you were, you know, queer or gay or essentially not straight, you know? And so we wanted to know at what point, did you realize that your mother was not raising you um, on the binary and that, and that she was really like, um, you know, letting you be who you really were? I feel like it was in high school because a lot of my, like it didn't register to me until a lot later in life where all my friends growing up were definitely gay. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're all open now, but like growing up, we didn't, talk about it or anything until probably junior senior year and my house was always the safe haven for everyone to come over and hang out but it never was like here's your safe space where you can be queer as you want it was just like oh we're going over rocks and we're going to hang out and Mm -hmm. that's going to be that and my mom was always so open and receiving to everybody especially 
a couple of my friends whose parents like literally sat them down with a Bible when they were like thinking they were gay. And my mom told my friend, like, you can stay here for as long as you need, even though it's down the street. Um, <laughs> you can stay here for as long as you need. Don't worry about it. Like, you're going to leave the town soon and you'll be on your own doing your own thing. And that's when I was like, OK, she gets it. And that's also before I even understood my own queer identity, because I had no idea about the whole spectrum of gender until I even moved to Miami, which is four years ago. So I knew I was like different. I knew my parents were super cool, but it didn't mm -hmm. click to me until recently that they were doing that. And how was it like how recently did you or not how recently, but how did you um, like how did you recognize that part of yourself through your recent experiences? Well, in Miami specifically, I just was encountering so many people and so many people on this spectrum. So I always just identified as like a weirdo gay boy. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I like growing up, I said it in the podcast, like I told people all the time, like I was a girl born in a boy's body when that was the only way that I knew how to register like how I felt inside versus what I was on the outside. But I never felt fully woman. Therefore, I'm not trans, but I couldn't really figure out where I was on this spectrum because I didn't know the spectrum existed. Ah, uh, Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Like, I only thought there was one way or another. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm just a weird boy mm -hmm. because I'm not trans. Yeah. But then under like moving here and seeing a bunch of people along the spectrum, out of the spectrum, whatever, has allowed me to like be more understanding of where I fall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As, as, as soon as you have the, like the words basically and the vocabulary yeah. to express it, it, it's, it's fascinating how it just kind of, it clicked and then, you know, you have a name for it and, and other people that you can uh, relate to and share experiences with. Um, do you feel like if you had stayed in Maryland that you would have come to this realization um sooner or later or is, is there kind of not you know that that type of resource in maryland um well i was in dc that dmv area mm -hmm. before i left but i still probably wouldn't be where i am right now because the main reason all this happened is because i was so like thrown full force into the queer community in miami which is very unique to the queer communities anywhere like there's nothing like miami scene at mm -hmm. all but also, I would not have started drag unless it was that I came to Miami. Like, I probably would enjoy drag and be a drag fan. I go out, support the queens, whatever. Mm -hmm. But there's, I would, I, Miss Toto would not exist without Miami. Gosh. Yeah. And it's know, part right? of, it's, <laughs> it's part of your, like, it's part of Miss Toto's DNA yeah. that yeah. Miami is part of it. Mm -hmm. It's funny. Our, I, I mean, I'm sort of embarrassed just to admit this, but the first time I realized that, Miami had sort of like I guess what you would call like an alternative scene at least to to me the you know the ignorant person from the north <laughs> um <laughs> was when we met we met Jupiter Velvet last year at Bushwig and yes I just remember thinking wow you're you're so not what I expected in terms of drag from Miami and then also finding out that Queef Latina was from Miami, mm -hmm. it was like, oh, yep. there's a whole, yeah. there's a whole world of mm -hmm. like interesting. I mean, I, I hate to put it, put that label on it, but that's what I find interesting. Interesting is the drag that's not, that doesn't fit into RuPaul's box, mm -hmm. basically at all, at all. Yeah, I don't, 
I don't really yeah. care for that as much. Well, that box is a bit rotten at this point. Well, it's, um, anyway, it's a very it's a very <laughs> limited box. Like they they I would say the most like out there queens that they've put on would be Milk, Nina, and like Thorgy probably. Mm-hmm. Right. But even there, no shade to any of those girls are still very traditional drag. Like Thor, uh, not Thorgy. Uh, Milk tried it and she got immediately like kicked off for it. <laughs> right. So it's not like the weirdos are really celebrated on that show um, yeah. as much as like they would love to say that they're inclusive of all styles of drag, blah, 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 trans performers, drag kings, etc. They're not. The proof is not there. No, not at all. No. Yeah. Which is fine because there's also a huge market and space for queens and kings and performers that mm-hmm. aren't RuPaul's Drag Race or yeah. aren't even Dragula because Dragula is a whole other spectrum yeah. that. Absolutely. A lot of people do not fit in. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, not not everybody's like a fright queen or a creepy queen, you know, however, no. you know, you want to call it. Drag. Spooky drags. Yes, there we go. Um, how how does the the queer scene of, of performers um, relate to the kind of more mainstream queens in Miami? Is there like a, an intersection or are you all kind of like in your own corners? So it it used to be very segregated. Mm-hmm. So like you only performed on South Beach and we only performed Winwood downtown. But I noticed I'm, I don't want to say older queens, the more seasoned queens who have been at this for like five, six, seven years. They realized like, OK, this is the new thing that's popping off. Like we need to get hip or get left behind. And there's one of the queens here. Her name is T.P. Lords. She is actually one of the most eclectic performers that I've ever seen in my life. She's the first drag queen I saw in Miami when I went to this um, So You Think You Can Drag talent contest just to go and like watch. But mm-hmm. she does pageant drag. She does club kid drag. She performs at every single club and every single like bar in South Florida. So mm-hmm. she really runs the whole spectrum of drag to the point where her house and her family is like 70 plus people. Wow. Whoa. And it's all different styles of drag in her house. And then my drag mother is very good friends with um, TP and my drag mom's name is Athena, Athena Dion. And she's pageant down like, mm-hmm. oh, she's so pretty and gorgeous <laughs> and polished and amazing. And it really stood out to me when she like took me and a couple other of like these weirdos under her wing. Mm-hmm. And it was never like, you need to fit into this box. You need to be pageant. You need to do this. It was She was helping us without even directly telling us different things. She was just inviting us over and we would all paint together and hang out. And just being around her, I really learned so much about hosting and how to carry myself as a performer or how to work a room. Just little things from just being around her. And because of her, there's been a huge intersection. So she has gigs in Wynwood over in the mainland and on South Beach. I'm getting booked more pretty much everywhere, but a lot, there's a huge like flow back and forth now, mm-hmm. which is really cool and exciting because it didn't used to be like that. It used to be like, oh, the South Beach girls are coming over. Weird. Or, oh, <laughs> you're going to perform in South Beach. No one likes you over there. Like, why do you do that? <laughs> and for me, it's like, I'm following the money. I don't care if anyone likes me or not. Right? <laughs> a booking's a booking. The coin is coin. I mean, like, mama has student loans to pay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they're like, ew, why are you going there? And you're like, literally, like, um, why are you going to South Beach? I'm like, yeah. why not? <laughs> yeah. Like money. Hello. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's how it is here, too. It's yeah. like when um, when a, a girl who mainly performs in Brooklyn gets booked in Manhattan, it's kind of like, oh, why are we? Why is she coming? Is there is like a, like a Halloween theme to the show? Right. Or, you know, it's like it's a weird 
thing mm-hmm. that takes place. Yeah, it's definitely it's def- there's definitely kind of a similar vibe here in New York, but it's um I don't know. It depends. It's, some people think it's a myth. Some people think it's um quite real, and then there are those who foster it. You know, for right for funsies. I feel almost. that because sometimes people feel just so comfortable that they don't want to go out of that comfort zone that they've mm-hmm. created. Like, yeah, I I'm, I understand it completely. I feel comfortable in my queer safe bubble in Wynwood. Right. Going to South Beach is a little out of my comfort zone, or going to Fort Lauderdale even, but it's necessary to really push myself out of there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and out of my own comfort zone and like performing to a new audience that doesn't know me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you want to take, should we take a break real quick and then, uh, and then come back and talk about, um, how you're also a marine science researcher? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So let's take a quick break. And, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about that and, uh, Bushwig and some other stuff. Mm-hmm. So stick Easy. around. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the kiki going. And we're back with Miss Toto. And uh, our next question for you, Miss Toto, is how do you balance being Mar- my not only Miami's party queen, but according to the local newspaper, the number one drag queen in Miami? Let's not forget that. So how do you balance that being a marine science researcher and a bodybuilder? Um, <laughs> like the, people ask, like, how do I do all these things? I'm like, I really don't know, but all of them fit very well with what I enjoy and what I like to do. So I mm-hmm. can't, I couldn't imagine myself only doing one of the three things that I do because mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel complete in all of the things that I want to do. So it's all about prioritizing for me. So drag is mainly an, an evening situation and I'm super type A, like disgustingly type A to the point where I have to put everything in a calendar with a calendar invite to accept it with reminders. So I know literally every second of my day is planned. Can I tell you just an aside, how happy that made my like anal retentive, my little anal retentive (laughs) heart. When you said, send me a calendar invite. I was like, literally no one we have ever had on the show in the the 120 some odd queens we've interviewed has ever said, Hey girl, send me a calendar invite. I was so excited (laughs) to like set that up. You have no idea. Like that's, that's very, very me. So, (laughs) and with, as, as far as it goes with like shark research and shark tagging and stuff, I go out probably twice a month. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to go out a lot more when I was still in school, but now a lot of the month I'm either not in town or just like booked to the point where I would rather do the gig at night and not wake up at 7.30 a.m. the next morning and be just useless on the boat. So when I'm planning a trip to go out with the team and everything, I want to be 100%. I need to make sure I don't have a night a gig the night before to where I'm asleep at like 10.30. I wake up, I'm refreshed, I'm good. So with that, that just, strike tagging just falls into place and I make it a priority when I feel the need. Mm-hmm. But then with bodybuilding, it's it's become just a part of my life. Like I wake up, I'll eat, I'll go to the gym, and then I'll start my day. And I'm usually up super early because I'm crazy. Um, so <laughs> it's not even like the day's really started mm-hmm. at all. Hmm. 
But so, it all just it all ties in together. Tell us me. about shark tagging. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I work with shark research and conservation at the University of Miami, and there are like so many different projects going on at once. And with shark tagging, what we do is collect data for all of those projects. Does that make sense? Like yes. every little piece that we do is going towards someone's project. So we'll take biological measurements, morphological measurements. Um, depending on the shark or what it, we're doing, we may do different types of tags. So there's a project um, about urban sharks to see what sharks are, are populating in urbanized areas. So like right off of downtown Miami, right off of South Beach. And we'll tag them and be able to track them and see where they're going. Are they staying mm-hmm. in the area? What type of sharks there are? Um, a lot of the stuff that we've done has changed actual policies in marine protected areas. So if we show that this is a huge population of hammerheads, per se, off of South Beach, mm-hmm. it's like that now is going to be a marine protected area. Mm-hmm. Um, we do blood sample studies, muscle sample. There was a girl from Brazil who did thermological measurements, which was really cool because we could see that like one of the sharks we had was pregnant um, with like thermo imaging, which was really, really cool. Wow. Um, oh, wow. but everything we do is super safe. And I would, I've been with the program for three years now and it's, it's amazing seeing the development. So as we learn more about sharks and how to handle them, the procedures that we're doing get safer for us and the shark. Mm-hmm. So most of the time when we're, when we're tagging, the shark is only out of the water three to five minutes. Okay. Yeah. So we, we pull it. So it's, more or less fishing for the shark, except we're not like real in line because that doesn't work because it's a shark. Um, <laughs> it's literally a shark. So once we pull it onto the boat to cure it, we put a pump in its mouth to pump fresh salt water over the gills. Fresh salt water. Yeah. It's fresh water, but it's salt water because it's a shark. Right. Um, so to pump, to pump salt water over the gills, ocean salt water. Mm-hmm. So it's still breathing on the boat and it has something to bite down onto that which usually relaxes the shark. So while we're doing all that, the shark's still breathing and we push it off of the boat, um, slide it back into the water because what we use is a modified jet ski platform. So it has a divot in it where we can slide the shark on and slide the shark right off. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's really, really cool. And it's just really interesting to watch as our procedures change and the mm-hmm. type of work and policies that change because of our work. Can I ask a weird question? Does it seem like the sharks know what's happening when you're tagging no. them? No. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> um, and that's why I really like sharks because they're uh, they're literally big fish. They're everything they do is instinctual. So when it's it's main factors are like hungry, hunger, safety, or sex. Ah. Opposed mm. to a marine mammal like a dolphin, where it's thinking, it's like I'm going to attack that because I want to, mm-hmm. or I'm like dolphins think too much. I don't really do like dolphins whales any of that that i can't because like with a shark it's not like a shark is attacking you because it's malicious it's attacking you because it thinks you're food mm-hmm. a dolphin might attack you because it just wants to attack you yeah, <laughs> yeah. right it's just decided today i want to do this yeah yeah and because they think too much mm-hmm. not about it that's fascinating <laughs> good to know that dolphins are in their head like I mean, me <laughs> i mean dolphins are supposed to be incredibly smart right like i feel like it's i'm way too smart yeah um, do you feel like, you, you know, because like we've all seen Jaws and all these movies about, you know, the other day we were talking about was a deep blue sea, I think. Um, Sharknado. Sharknado, which we will talk about later. Yeah. Um, do you, do you feel like in doing this research there, I mean, I, I don't know how much of it contributes toward this, but that there has been this kind of, um, or, or any, sorry, any dent in the like destigmatization of sharks. 
like in people's minds. Yeah, it's really, really cool to see because we bring it's not just us on the boat. Mm -hmm. We'll bring out students and citizen scientists and some people come on super terrified and they realize that like sharks. Well, also, we educate them on the importance Mm -hmm. of sharks so then they know and then they get a firsthand interaction with sharks as well. So then they realize they're like, okay, sharks aren't this big, scary thing that the media in these movies like say that they are. Mm -hmm. So and they also learn a lot about sharks, like the sharks that would be more aggressive would be this type of sharks, which are not found in South Florida or on the flip side. You're probably swimming in the ocean near a shark all the time and they're not concerned with you. Right. At all. So just mind your business and don't do anything dumb and you'll be okay. Like swimming at dawn is probably not smart. Because that's when sharks are hunting. Right. Oh, look yeah. at that. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, I read I read recently that there's um I want to say there's a beach near like Pensacola or something where there is like the largest concentration of shark attacks, but the people there don't listen. Like they don't heed the advice of like, don't go in the water here, it's not safe, go to another beach. And they just it just keeps happening. But the city's not doing anything about it. And I feel like it's also listening to the signs. So, like, for example, sharks are mainly going to hunt at dawn and dusk when the water temperatures are more fit for them closer to the shore where they can also end up schooling a lot of the fish closer to shore so they're easier to catch. Right. So if sharks are hunting at dawn and dusk, why would you think it's a good idea to be splashing around (laughs) in the water while it's happening? And if you look at statistics, it's most shark attacks happen within three feet of water. And then the other other statistic is most shark attacks are not fatal. So mm. if someone dies from a shark attack, it's usually from them bleeding out, not because the shark ate them. Right. Huh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. There's, shark- just, there's a lot of education that needs to yeah. happen. And yeah, it's just. Yeah. Why do people think that sharks eat other people? I'm sorry. I was just when you said that, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Because like they're in the hospital. So like, why would they say they got eaten if they didn't? It's right. Like, They're like, it was so vicious. It's like, okay, um, but you were splashing around in the water and that was your fault. Or when the people are doing these like Bahama excursions, swimming with nurse sharks, and like, oh my God, I got bit. Like, yes, you did get bit because you were swimming with sharks. Like you did this to yourself. <laughs> right. It's it's just like it's a simple concept like they're doing construction near my job right now and they block off the um, the sidewalk near the construction when they're, you know, moving something. And it's like if you were to walk on that sidewalk when it's blocked off, then you might get hit. Mm -hmm. But they're doing everything they need to do with all of the education they have. So that doesn't happen. But you're choosing to walk on that sidewalk anyway. It's like it's so strange, but it's. Also really fascinating to have all of that plus bodybuilding. How did you get into bodybuilding? Um, It's actually because I was really into running and obstacle racing and I wanted something that was more challenging. So, yeah, I was like, this would be very fun. So I, my, I, I went for it and I actually got very invested and involved. And here I am. <laughs> Because I, I wanted also it tied in with my drag to make it very like I want to make people feel uncomfortable mm. when they see it. they're like, she's so pretty, but she's so nice, but she's so big. That's that's what I wanted. And it worked. And how would I'm you not say... getting smaller <laughs> <laughs> at all. How would you say what's what's the difference in like the competitive element between a drag competition and a bodybuilding competition? So they're not that different at all. Okay. 
at all. Like, it's all getting glammed up for three and a half minutes on stage, doing all this prep work. I would say drag is actually less stressful than bodybuilding. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, really? it's, it's just so much. And as for as hyper-masculine as people assume that bodybuilding is, it's not at all. Those men are all primped up, their hair's done, brows done, you're getting a spray tan, it's all makeup. So they're not that different at all. <laughs> but the funny thing was, one of the shows I went to, I went and asked for critiques from one of the judges afterwards. And... Mm. So I went and the lady told me that I needed to work on my stage presence. Wow. I was like, I love that. That's really, really funny for you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I was just like, OK, thank you so much. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they I mean, I don't know. That's baffling. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't even imagine. Exactly. But it was funny when they said stage presence. I'm like, hmm. Maybe you should like, compete in drag. You must not know what I do all the time. Yeah. But it's what, okay. What would they do if you showed up to the competition in drag? Like oh in, my God, in... it would be such a mess. Like Because also the girl poses and everything are much different than the male poses. Mm -hmm. And these women, these physique competitors, their bodies are just so crazy. Like mm -hmm. I look at them in admiration. I'm like, wow. This is what I want Miss Toto to look like. In my head, <laughs> this is what Miss Toto looks like. Like in my head. In person, maybe not so much. But in my head, <laughs> that's what Miss Toto looks like. <laughs> you want the, like, all that. Like, it's incredible. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Everything is so defined. And there's, like, like indentations where you wouldn't think there would be. It's it's almost like, um, I don't know why I think of a tufted sofa when I think of a lot of physique competitors. How things are, you know, like, like just it's, it's like they're sewn in and out so that it's all, like, perfectly, like, quilted. That sounds terrible. But, no, but it's real. Right. Yeah. It, it's just it's the, these definitions. I sew. So this is where this reference is coming from. Otherwise, I wouldn't understand it. But how like w by stage presence, right? Going back to that. What what is it that what do they want you to do? Exactly. Well, actually, I got this at one of the last shows I went to. Or it was. Yeah. One of the last shows I went to. Someone told me to be less flamboyant on stage and watch my hands. I was like, oh, I was like, hmm, what I'm not going to do is that like I, I understand what you're saying mm -hmm. but i'm not gonna change the way that i am just to like try to go pro and fit this fit this this mold of what you think a physique competitor looks like mm -hmm. right oh that's so i mean that's so coded like it's so yeah yeah it's, I, like, yeah. It, it caught me off guard i was like wait a minute <laughs> did you just tell me to be less flamboyant uh -huh. but for what purpose because you're judging me based on yes my stage presence but you're also judging me based on my body so what i do with my hands should not matter on stage yeah like they are literally judging your your body like your it is your body of work why would you know your your hand gestures have anything to do with it Correct. But also I got a new coach and he was like living for my posing. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Well, there you go. That's great. That's amazing. Um, we wanted to talk about Bushwig. Uh, we were curious, is this your first time coming to Bushwig? This is my second official New York Bushwig. So I've done ah. Bushwig New Orleans and I've done Bushwig LA twice. And then I did, <laughs> did Bushwig New York last year. Oh, so you were here, and, we and missed you. I was, and we somehow missed you. How could it we was? Have? I was. Did you see Reefy's performance? Yeah, yeah. 
I went on right before Reefy, like right before. Oh, we were backstage right before Reefy's performance. So then we were probably in the I same think. room because I was backstage. I literally borrowed Reefy's uh, spirit gum or nail glue to glue my pasties on. Oh. Oh. We were, I, yeah, I, yes, that was you because there was somebody doing that when we were backstage before Reefy's <laughs> performance. Because we were in that, like, that, like the, the dressing room that has, like, the weird, like, stage and stuff to it and the big mirror. Yeah. Yeah. That, yep. Literally, I was in that room, like, because my spirit gum, for some, this always happens. Either my spirit gum won't open or my nail glue won't open. And then I'm <sighs> in a panic. And I'm like, who has any of these things that, like, that will work for me? And, of course, Reefy was like, I have spirit gum. Don't worry, girl. That's insane. So, yeah. We I went back to happens. that. Yeah. Oh, that's why. Uh, well, we won't miss you this year, certainly, mm-hmm. at all. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm my so God. Excited. So what are you looking forward to this year for Bushwick? I just like to I like to see everybody because to me, yeah, Bushwick is about the performances. But so many people come from every part of the world, even like to come to this huge drag festival, like performing for me. It's what, four and a half minutes of a show on this crazy stage, but Mm -hmm. I'm still there for two whole days to hang out with people and see people that I haven't seen in months. Mm -hmm. And that to me is much more enjoyable or or see people that I've been dying to see perform in real life, like do their thing. So, for example, Wednesday Westwood, I saw her last year and I was Mm -hmm. like fully bald. Um, (laughs) Who else did I see perform? Like Wednesday Westwood was probably my highlight. Because I'm, her. I'm just obsessed. Like, <laughs> her mug, her perf- like, and she did a penguin number, mm-hmm. and she had her fingers fused. It was so good. But then you get exposed to so many other people that you didn't realize you loved. Mm-hmm. So they'll introduce some because the, the lineup is what three hundred something people. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how they do the it. It's like Same. yeah, you get weird. You know, um, uh, God am I sorry? Like call times or performance times, like five forty two, two thirty seven. You know, because they yeah. are literally just packing it in. Which is, uh, I mean, we have gone. I think to every single bush week except one. Yeah. So we were there from the beginning, and we're here now. And every year, it just like we just discover, like you said, you know, people who you you didn't know that you were going to be excited to see and. You know, we like last year, you know, we met Jupiter at Bushwick, just kind of backstage. We're like, hey, do you want to, you know, can we interview you? Um, We met this uh, Boston queen, uh, Neon Calypso, who now is kind of everywhere. And so good. You know, just two of the people who we didn't know before, you know, were not from New York, who we just started talking to and fell in love with. And and that's what I think I I think makes it so special and unique among all of these you know drag festivals because it really was like the first one i mean after wigstock this was the you know the next drag festival ever everything else came after it and i I don't think a lot of people realize that you know that right bushwick has been around longer than you know drag con and austin international drag uh, festival and all of that and so important it's just so much like it's not stressful so Mm -hmm. going to drag con i'm stressed the whole time so DragCon may be fun for people who are not invested in a booth or working a booth or working the whole weekend. If you're just going as a fan, you're probably having a great time. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, as a performer or as someone working the festival or the, the convention, you're not really enjoying it. You like In retrospect, you'll look back and be like, wow, that was fun. But in the moment, you're like, oh, my God, I have all these things to do. Absolutely. But at Bushwig, <laughs> it's like you go in, you do your gig, and then you're chilling. And mm-hmm. you get to see all the other performers. You get to kiki and do whatever. And that's what I prefer. Yeah. 
hundred percent. It's queer summer camp. Mm -hmm. That's what it feels like. Yes. Yeah. And I'm so excited that we're going to be there again this year. I can't wait. (laughs) I just, I just finished my Bushwig dress coat thing and now I'm moving on to Robert's. To mine. Yeah. So God help (laughs) me. But um, yeah, we'll be there. Yes. I'm so (laughs) pumped. I think, well, I I requested to perform on Sunday because I'm doing a gig in DC on Friday. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going, it's me and Lucy Stuhl and I know, and my daughter, <sighs> F.A. Twink. I don't know if you've stalked her through me, but she's literally everything. <laughs> That's a great name. Uh, it's amazing. I know. So good. <laughs> so we're going up to D.C. for this party called Looks. Um, and the day after at 10 a.m. So F.K.A. does the gig, flies back at 6 a.m. to take care of my dog. And Aww. then Lucy and I get on a bus at 10. We're in New York by 2. So then I was thinking... That would just be too much to perform the same day. So I requested to perform Sunday. Right. Ugh. So I could like have a moment to like mm-hmm. get my life. <laughs> Such a professional. I'm I'm well, I'm in love. Too much. <laughs> it was just too much. Like I don't want to be messy and like panicking no, about not. getting in my look and like all the pieces that may need to happen. So mm-hmm. it's not happening. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's mm. a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot to think about. <laughs> Um, speaking of it being a lot, we are always looking for, uh, different ways that people We're curious as to how different people practice self-care. So we were curious how you go about practicing self-care. I love me time. So as much as I'm out and about, I love to just like sit in my bed with a face mask on, put on a vinyl and just like sit. sit by myself and enjoy it so for the past few weekends i've had friends visiting and like my drag daughter stays over for the weekend sometimes and this weekend i was like no one's staying no one is allowed in my home you can come over for like an hour or so but like no one's staying the night right at all like this is me time to hang out with me and my dog mm-hmm. and i might clean my room and vacuum and <laughs> like i was doing as we called <laughs> but Whatever. But um, so that to me, so that way I can like start the week off fresh. Everything will be cleaned, organized, especially because the next upcoming weeks I have like gigs back to back to back. At, like, so that's messy. So just setting myself up for like a nice smooth week is probably the easiest. And I love skincare. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a huge skincare freak <laughs> because also wearing so much makeup, you have to take care of your skin for when you're not wearing makeup. Yeah. Um, so I'm all about face masks, the paper ones, like that, the placenta and like snail ooze or whatever. Um, <laughs> but people send me stuff all the time. Like my, one of my friends sent me all these Kiehl's, it was a Kiehl's variety pack and they're like little tiny pots and they're all different things like tightening, brightening, toning. And one's literally like a jelly Ooh. and it makes your skin feel so juicy and like really good. Um, yeah, those those things are what I like. I put on a candle, put on a vinyl, and just like mellow out, or watch like fourteen horror movies in a row. But oh, wow. I'm a huge horror movie fan. Um, what are you, when you say put on a vinyl? Is there a specific one you're listening to lately? Um, actually, I well, I got a new record player a couple days ago, so I've been just going through my whole collection. Mm-hmm. I started off. I think the first vinyl that I put on it was Grimes, Art Angels. Okay. Um, but I just did a party with Charlie XCX last week, and I got her vinyl of Pop Two, mm-hmm. and that's what I've been playing like kind of nonstop. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, just because I'm still in the moment, like yeah. I'm still like reliving my jush from oh doing that God. party. 
So once I'm done with that, I also was doing my makeup. I think it was Wednesday and Thursday. I was playing um, the Nutcracker, and then I did Swan Lake after. Wow. Amazing. I love that you, you, like, you not only appreciate vinyl, but, like, you have a record player. Because I grew up with one. Like, I didn't, like, there weren't CDs or cassettes in my house until, you know, they've been around quite some time. And so, like... I don't know. We have like a whole closet full. And I used to sleep with like Stevie Nicks's um, vinyls under my pillow because I had a, a crush on her growing up. Um, but I broke too many of the records. So my mother just. Oh, my started. God. Yeah. My mother, <laughs> my mother would like she was like, OK, well, here you can have the cover, but give me the vinyl because like I can't keep on replacing them. Um, right. But yeah, there's just something about that sound. It's like it that like, just... the crackle and, and yes. the depth of it. It's really amazing. And, like, in the apartment, we have Alexa. We have, um, what's the other? Oh, I have, like, my Bluetooth Bose speaker. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, oh, she's, Alexa's yelling now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's yelling. But, like, it, it doesn't sound the same. It doesn't have the same, like, grit to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I prefer vinyl. Yeah. And then in terms of horror movies, was were there any you saw recently that you want to talk about? <laughs> oh, my God. So... Uh, my friends and I, well, my friends separately do their own movie night, and most of the movies that they watch don't interest me, so I don't go. Okay. Um, like, they literally, no shade to anyone who likes Mamma Mia, and they watch, like, what's the other one? Thelma and Louise. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not watching anything <laughs> unless someone dies. So, um, I recently saw Hereditary, which was so scary, and that they added that to the list. So, they're doing a, they're doing a specifically horror movie movie night. So I'm like helping curate that mm-hmm. list. So Hereditary is horrifying. Um, the main okay. reason it's scary because is because have you seen the previews for it? We have, and we've been talking about watching it, but we're oh, like, my God. we're yeah. like, do we watch it at night or during the yes. day? At night. At night. <laughs> so okay. this that girl, she's like the tongue pop girl, right? Uh huh. Like, whatever. So she, I, I'm not gonna like, I don't want to ruin it. Whatever, this won't ruin it. Basically, she is killed off in the first 15 to 20 minutes of the movie. So then you're like, what the fuck is going on now? (laughs) I still have an hour and 10 minutes left. Like, where's the linchpin? You just killed off the girl who was supposed to be set up to be the protagonist. So now what? And it's just wild. It's so good. Um, But I also am a huge fan of like the old slasher films. So I have a huge like scream tattoo on my arm. Um, it's the dagger and it says what's your favorite scary movie on it. Oh so scream my God. It's so good. I love that. That's the scream only so, so I went to see Scream with I went to the theater to see Mars Attacks with my friends. And so I was good. like, I'm not watching this stupid movie. You guys watch Mars Attacks. I'm gonna go watch Scream. And just literally like walked over to the other room to watch Scream. And I didn't I probably didn't sleep for about six months after that. And yeah, so I'm obsessed with all of those movies. I love talking about it. Like that is my thing right there. <laughs> yeah, it's like scary movies are just like so good. Yeah. yeah. I used to hate them until Robert and I met and then he got me into watching them and then one day left me watching The Descent um all alone while he went to wash dishes cuz he was afraid of the um Cause that movie's Those, scary. Those like humanoid things. And I was like, this is not too scary. And then I look, I'm like yelling at the TV. I'm like, why are you spelunking? You should like, why? Like, just don't go, <laughs> like, don't go where the, you know, it's, it's like most of them have like a formula, you know, it's like you go where you're not supposed to. And then that, that's really all you need. You know, um, one of my favorites is, uh, oh damn, drag me to hell with the, <gasps> so good right with the goat. 
like yes. I don't know why that like talking go the, the lamia as we uh like we just go around the house and scream that at each other. Um, I just think it's so silly. Like they're like not all horror movies are actually scary. No, I think some of them the, are. That's the best part. Yeah, they're like so I funny. think I think The Shining is like ridiculous. It's so absurd. It's so good. You know, so, it's so camp. Yes, and that's why I think horror movies to me like in order to be considered a really good horror movie to me you have to be scared like you have to actually scare me and the ones that scared me were hereditary clearly um strangers when that came out oh you ever see that one i will not watch it i have okay so invasion movies are horrifying yeah they're (laughs) so that hit close to home because in maryland where i'm from when i was growing up my parents and grandparents never locked the doors so like we would just be running back and forth because my grandpa my grandma lived next door to my house so mm-hmm. I would just be running back and forth. Like if it was 8 p.m., I'd run back to my house. And then in the morning, I'd run back to my grandma's, whatever. So the doors were never locked. And mm-hmm. that's just how it is in small towns. So that home invasion stuff hit really close to home. And I was so scared. <laughs> and there was no reason for them to get murdered in the movie. No. At all. So the whole like premise was they had it in the, the trailer where the girl's crying. She's like, why are you doing this to us? And the girl responds, because you're home. I'm like, that's messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just arbitrary. It's kind of like, I'm just going to do that because I want to. Exactly. You know? So that, it's, I would say Hereditary and Strangers are probably my two actual scary movies. But every other scary movie that I like is generally hilarious in my mind. <laughs> right. Yeah, it wasn't until, it wasn't until I was an adult uh, that I watched Scream and I was like, wow, this movie's actually really funny. Like, yes. <laughs> I was never, because, I mean, I was like 12 years old when I first saw it. I didn't understand that it was meant to be funny. Like, so, um, so let's take another break. And then when we come back, um, we're going to, hmm, how can I tease this without giving it away? We're going to talk about something you do at bingo. Um, oh so stick around. <laughs> we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Quip, an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine. The simple secret to great oral health is good technique, consistent brushing, and regular upkeep. Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com slash kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com slash kiki. Quip, oral care designed for a modern lifestyle. And we're back with Miss Toto to talk about bingo. 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 <laughs> so uh, we found out that you have very specific rules for people who yes. come to your weekly bingo with Miss Toto at Gramps in Miami. Yes. One of them being to always tell you you're gorgeous, which I think is a uh, like that should be posted above every entry to every drag bar in the world. And yes. then the second one is to orgasm when you call <clears throat> 069. Yes. And that if they don't do it properly or they just go, woo, that you just might kick them out. I literally I haven't kicked anyone out. But what I literally will do is I will turn off the music. I will like turn it all the way off. And I'm like, okay, listen, y'all must have missed it the first time I said it, but we're going to all do it together as a class and we're going to redo it because that's literally not what I said. I told you to not woo. Cause if you've literally had 
an orgasm of any sort and wooed during it, not after, I'm talking during the orgasm, you made a woo. I'm so sorry for whoever like was dicking you down because that's like not how that goes. <laughs> Can you so imagine? You to, we, right, exactly. Like, orga- you're like, woo! Like, and it's always like white girls named Megan, Brittany, Sarah, Jessica, or Hannah. And I'm like, can we not do this? Can I just, just imagine that this? that's just like Thorging having sex. Woo! Yeah. Can you imagine? Literally. Right? <laughs> and like, I, let's no. be honest, Thorgy doesn't have sex. I mean, so. yeah. But let's, let's, um, Does she? I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're friends of hers and Robert. I was, was her roommate her, in college. Roommate she in doesn't college, have sex. So. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you blow, blowing up Thorgy's spot? My Whatever. God. Woo! Um, Woo! Right? So, <laughs> um, so we were hoping to get a lesson from you on how to do it properly. So I, it depends on the mood that I'm in. Like if I already have like four cocktails and I'm like re-explaining the rules, um, I'll either do it myself or someone will be like, can I demo? And I'll let them demo. Hmm. But... I also like to throw my own interjections. So I'll start and be like, okay, so like when I call 069, you need to be like, I, uh, uh, don't pull my hair because my hair's not glued on. Or like, don't push my face in the pillow because my lashes aren't glued. <laughs> like stuff like that. <laughs> but there are people who get really into it and that's what I live for. I'm like, thank you for participating. Like you're playing one of the most boring games in the whole universe. <laughs> so we need to make this fun. Like I'm not sure why drag bingo is a thing at all. But because it is like I need and I've never been to anyone else's drag bingo. So that's why mine, I think, is unique because I can't pull inspiration from any other drag queens that do bingo because I've literally never been. (laughs) So everything that I do is just from my head and from my brain. (laughs) It feels kind of like drag bingo is a version of like cruise ship bingo. Mm. So the guy who used to host drag bingo before me, um, actually is Gloria Estefan's son, which is cool. Um, But he had a character that was, I forget the name of it, but he was a cruise ship bingo caller, quote unquote. That was the character. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, which is, and it was really, really (laughs) funny. Dressed up and did that whole moment. Um, But then shortly after that ended, that's when they were reaching out to like, they reached out to me because they had, a guy who they just hired and they were like, we're going to put you in charge of drag bingo. Do you know any drag queens? And he just moved to Miami and from new Orleans. And he had seen me perform in new Orleans two weeks prior. He's like, this is the only drag queen I know. And she was really good, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how I got bingo. Literally. Wow. And it's been three years (laughs) still there. Oh my God. Yeah. And we heard, well, from what Jupiter said on your podcast, it's like you get to live out your, your, uh, Dom fantasy during. Uh, Yeah. Because, like, I don't know what it is about drag, but there are, like, people think that all the things that you would say, like, if I said half the things I said out of, in drag, out of drag, people would literally hate me and never speak to me. But because I have a wig on, I'm allowed to say it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. There's this, like, um, like this, uh, you know, you get this get out of jail free card once you, right. like, put on. And I don't know if it's because... You know, it's like, you know, we're, we're under so, we're, we're in so much discomfort that it's like, just let her do whatever she wants. Or it's just like Literally. the intimidation or whatever it is, because it kind of doesn't matter what type of queen you are, what you look like, at what level you are, you know, like how many years you've been doing it. It's this like ticket that you get as soon as like you, you know, you, you, uh, what am I going to say? Like you, you work up the nerve 
to leave the yeah. house, you know? Like, I think that that that's where you just kind of get that freedom. Because, like, well, you've already left the house, you know, in, in all of this stuff that, you know, people will criticize you for generally. So, you know, what else? Let them like, do them. Exactly, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it does, it is really fun. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. I would have given up the gig a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really fun to see the different types of people because I have people who obviously come every single week and they hear me say the same things every week and they continue to laugh. <laughs> like, <laughs> cause I, I don't change the rules. The rules have been the same from the very beginning, mm-hmm. but no one's like gotten my, my tipping quote yet. I'm like, I said the first person who gets my full tipping quote right, I'll get them a bottle of champagne. And even people who have been there for years still can't get it in the right order or speed. Oh, no. So I say one of my last rules is, well, I have two, rule six and seven. Rule number six is make sure you're tipping the bartenders and your favorite local drag queen. And I said the bartenders, I say, the bartenders accept tips in the form of cash or on cards, I accept tips in the form of cash, coin, Venmo, EPD, PayPal, Cash Up, Loose Ones, Quest Bars, Adderall, and Protein Powder. And no one has been able to get it right. <laughs> I mean, it is a mouthful. So. But I say it in the same order every time. <laughs> in protein powder, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's and my... someone actually did. One of the bartender's girlfriends works at a supplement store and tipped me in protein powder once. That's wow. amazing. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute, though, because protein powder is expensive. So expensive. Like, yeah. So mm-hmm. and the other rule is if you're taking a photo of or with me, ensure that you're using flash photography because I did not do my makeup for two hours to sit in the dark and have you take a photo of an outline of what I look like. <laughs> wow. Because they don't even have a light for me. I literally sit like Harry Potter under the stairs and in the dark with my bingo machine. I, oh I my promise God. you. There was like a period of time where I had a light and it was like two weeks. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's homophobic <laughs> i'm like hello can i get a light or something they put the drag queen in the dark well the whole bar is dark it's just like a, a divey bar so uh-huh. I, I i did bring my own light for a period of time but then it was like annoying to even just charge it right it was one extra thing that i had to think about <laughs> yeah but as long as people use flash photography i'm not upset mm-hmm. right. but that also gives me a free pass like if i don't feel like doing the whole face if i like if i go easy on the beat it's going to be okay because, like, there's a high probability people won't take photos with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Opposed to a daytime gig where I need to be, like, mugged. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Um, so we normally, so at this point, we normally talk about something that we are either watching, listening to, reading, um, that we're, that we either want to, like, unpack or that we want to recommend. And I know that you already mentioned Hereditary and The Strangers. Oh. Yes. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to recommend maybe or unpack? Um, no, like I would say those, if you can delve into a horror movie, I know people don't like horror movies, but Mm -hmm. you have to just find your genre and find the humor in them. And then you will enjoy them. Mm -hmm. Once you realize that they're not scary and they're actually just hilarious and find out most horror movies have the same plot. Mm -hmm. Like you can usually figure out what's going on in the beginning of a horror movie and then laugh at everything else that goes on. Yep. Um, because as a horror movie fan, you need that's that's rule number one. Figure out what's going on and then laugh about the whole thing. That's it. Right. Um, I think what else I should I would recommend. I I was listening to this is like brought my thought process back. So mm-hmm. my I used to listen to my favorite murder. Ah, uh, do you listen to them? Are you familiar? I've heard. Um, I've was, heard of them. Um, yeah, it's this podcast by these two girls, and they go down and they like explain 
some of the like large murders and stuff that happened. They did a small town episode. They just did one though on on Party Monster with Michael Alleg and James St. James, which I'm obsessed oh, that's with. So interesting. I'm like obsessed with it. Like, so have you have you either of you read the book? No, no, I have not. Okay, the book though. The book, I would. That's something I recommend. I recommend everyone to yes, see the movie, but read the book Party Monster. Yes. Um, and especially as someone in performing or drag culture or even just like someone who wants to be a socialite or a personality in the scene it really teaches you and shows you how some how michael did it he built himself out of nothing from a small town he moved to new york and made himself into a socialite as like Mm -hmm. a, a celebrity and one of the most iconic pieces that i pulled from that is how he and james used to work a room and I've pulled something from it, but I don't do the same technique. So what they used to do is they would go to a club together Mm -hmm. and then they would separate and they would walk around the club and Michael would be like, have you seen James? James would say, have you seen Michael? And they get everybody in the room invested in and helping them find each other. Yep. Then they would find each other in the middle of the party, make a huge commotion. Everyone's invested. They're like, oh my God, they found each other. That's so good. And then they'd separate and do it all over again. Right. So by the end of the night, everybody knew who they were. Yeah. And I'm like, that's incredible. But I've translated that into if I'm working a party or I don't know people, I'm going to make sure everybody in that room knows who I am and I'm mm-hmm. going to greet them and I'm going to be friendly and say hi and just make myself a familiar face. And that's translated into my drag in the sense of I want if people want to come to a drag show by themselves that I'm at that I want them to feel comfortable doing that because they'll know that they'll have me to hang out with. Mm-hmm. They'll know that they'll have a friend at that at that gig or whatever. Because, like, yeah, I'm going to be performing, but if you're alone, I'll go out and, like, hang out with you in between shows. Like, what else am I doing, you know? Yeah. Right. Just to make yourself approachable and more accessible and not, like, this intimidating drag figure. It's wow. also a smart marketing technique, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. <laughs> but also, that's just my personality. I would rather, hang, like, drag is fun because you get to meet so many people and hang out. That's literally what it is. You dress up and hang out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Performing is fun and everything, but you're literally hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you seen the documentary uh, that uh, took place after Michael got out of prison? Uh, it's so weird. It is really I'm weird. Like, well, also because no shade to Michael, but he's like obviously off after being in prison for mm-hmm. that long. You're not socialized with like normal humans, especially yeah. after not saying his drug usage has to do with his personality, but like doing all those drugs cannot be good for your mental stability yeah side effects but then also i noticed that he was trying to like throw parties when he got back out of prison i'm like girl hang up the towel <laughs> like yep. we saw what happened the first time you were throwing parties so he says you could be doing that again <laughs> yeah like leave leave that in the past and like maybe do some art do some paintings like mm-hmm. just throwing parties probably is yeah. not for you <laughs> Yeah, that was a big moment here, and uh, yeah, it was very, it didn't very work out. controversial. It, like he's not. It, no, it, it didn't work out. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I never know anymore. Like literally, it just things things change so quickly in the scene, like in New York. That sometimes it's like, oh, yeah. oh where'd that person go? You know, and it's like Prison. a week later. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We cut somebody up and put him in a bathtub. Right. But yes, my favorite murder covered uncut. Like they did a story about um party monster which then brought me back to the book again so the book i highly advise everyone to read it and it gives you a huge understanding and background on the new york club scene and especially where like the whole club scene has gone nationally and internationally Mm -hmm. the fact that you are a paid drag queen or club kid to to create the atmosphere for a party Mm -hmm. that's like that was a concept that was developed back then because 
that's what you're supposed to do. Yes, you're a drag queen, you're going to perform, or yes, you're a club kid and you do this, but you're there to create the atmosphere. You're there to promote. You're, that's, yeah. Your it, whole job is to make that party fun, interesting for the, the normal people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's like giving them something else to look at other than you know each other or the four walls because it's kind of like without that scenery, which is you know what essentially these these performers and artists are, it's just you know a box with like Correct. that's dark with lights and stuff. Otherwise, it's not you know terribly exciting at I mean, all. Yeah. So yes, that's that's it. <laughs> um. So I recently. Uh, I don't know how I forget how I remembered that I'd never seen Purple Rain before. Mm. Um, but I told Daniel, I'm like, I think we need to watch Purple Rain because I feel bad like when people say, oh, it's like what happened in Purple Rain. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen it. And so we put it on. Uh huh. And um, it was really bad. Like, <laughs> like. Like, so I described it this way to my coworker. Whenever Prince did one of his songs, it was like I was dying and someone handed me an oxygen mask because (sighs) I had so many questions. Like, who are these people who go to a lake dressed in leather? And where do they live? Where do they live? (laughs) I mean, where do they live? Where do they live? It was also completely different than what I remembered when I was a child watching it. Because I was like, yeah, Prince, like, seduces this woman and gets her hooked on drugs. And I don't know where the hooked on drugs part came because I was like, Robert was like, well, wait, you said this happens. And I'm like, yeah, I remember that happening. And I'm like looking up from the sewing machine every five minutes. And I'm like, no, like, it's coming. Don't worry. And it never came. And I'm like, well, I don't remember what movie I was watching, but I swore it involved Prince and drugs and a young woman. And this didn't have that. So I don't know what I was watching, but you know, I was 10 maybe. So, I mean, the good thing is, is that I have been on a big Prince kick at the moment. So I, I'm grateful for it Mm -hmm. for that. But like, yeah, it was just very, very like laughable. There was a moment where he has to turn, he's like facing one direction has to turn around and he did a, like a pirouette. Without meaning to. It's like, oh, that's kind of cute. It's like, a little ungraceful. I know. You know. Um, and then the, the other thing that we're, I guess, kind of obsessed with at the moment, because we talk about we're it. We're not obsessed with it. We're not obsessed with it. Go ahead. I mean, we talk, is, is Sharknado the most recent one? Have you have you seen it, Miss Toto? I actually have not seen any of the Sharknados. So, I don't, Robert, you hadn't seen any before this one, right? No. No. So, last Sunday, they were, I think... It's supposed to be the last one. And it was like, oh, Alaska Thunderfuck is in it. And we were like, okay, we will watch it because she's in it to support. But other than that, you know. Um, was she actually in it? She was in it if, quite a bit. It, I mean, she was had she a, in it as Alaska. No, she was in it as. She was in drag. Yeah, she was like, okay. she was like Morgan Le Fay. That was like her character, you know, like a King Arthur's mistress. Like from. Yes. Yeah. So that's who she was. And she was like trying to get the sword out of a stone. Um, but it was, you know, it was like, uh, like her Alaska isms and all of that. And she was very good. She's kind of just made the movie watchable, honestly, for the maybe like 10 minutes in total that she was in it. Yeah. Um, but we were like, well, we can't watch the most recent one without binge watching all of the others. So we're like, how many are there? There are, this was the sixth one. So there are six in total. And we watched as much as we could of the marathon that day. And I was just like, I had always thought that Sharknado was actually supposed to be ser- like a serious movie, but was just bad. 
and it's just really high camp, but it's still very bad. So it's actually meant to be a joke. Yeah, they're like modern B-movies, which I really appreciate because, you know, I feel like that's not something that people appreciate these days because there is, you know, a huge amount of camp and just kind of badness in them. But these are just bad. Like, they're awful. I have. I just have no desire to see it. Like, I do want to see Meg about the uh, Megalodon. Yes. Um, but then I also saw was it forty-seven meters under, forty-seven meters down. Yes. Um, oh, but I, I thought was so good. But I saw it with one of the girls on my shark team, and we spent most of the movie not even being scared, but analyzing like what the shark, whatever shark biologist was on the show or on the movie, like what they got right and what they got wrong. But it was actually <laughs> very very well done like from a shark perspective they got all of the like biology and everything right there was only one portion of it was that was wrong but it had nothing to do with the shark all right it had to do with the safety so basically at a certain point there's like the whole the girl has to get herself to to this to the surface right right and they were telling her that she had to do a safety stop so she didn't get um nitrogen poisoning or whatever and yes that's that's real but in a situation where it's like life or death Mm-hmm. you're not doing a safety stop. Right. <laughs> like you're just ejecting yourself to the surface as fast as possible. Right. So that was, that was like the only thing, but I would, hi- I would advise that if you want to like get a semi suspenseful shark thriller. Yeah. That's a movie I recommended, but Daniel just didn't seem. Well, I didn't know it was about sharks. It. I thought it was just somebody like diving. I also have a thing no. about like the really deep ocean that kind of freaks me out. Same. Um, I'm not a big fan of the ocean. No, it's literally just because I have glasses and I'm always afraid of losing them. Like, I'm not even going to lie. (laughs) It's such a it's such a weird thing. But yeah, I've lost my glasses before in the water. So it 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 comes from a place. But yeah, I don't like looking over the edge of boats because I'm like, oh, they're going to fall off. So it's just (laughs) yeah, it's you have to get the strap. Oh, my God. Okay, (laughs) I did have one growing up. Like, I'm not kidding when I would go swimming and they still got lost. I had the strap when I played baseball because anytime I would swing, mm-hmm. my glasses would just come off. But mm-hmm. my dad ended up buying the the like strap for me so they never came off. <laughs> yeah, it worked. It worked a little bit, but they still, yes. you know, um, went away. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no surprises there. Um, do you want to, should we do our attitude and gratitude now? Sure. Um, so I know that we didn't really prepare you for this part, but, uh, every week we try and, um, it's basically like the attitude part is more like, you know, we want to present something that could use some work before we give praise to something that we really loved and like made our week good. Um, do you... This is one topic. I can hit both on one topic. Really? Beautiful. All right. Thursday night. So Thursday night, I have these ideas with my shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm like usually driving in the car and I'm like, oh my God, my mind is so fucking powerful. Like I'm so funny. So <laughs> I had this idea to do a Mr. Krabs mix months ago. And I just was like, I needed the right time to like debut this Mr. Krabs performance. Okay. So I got all the pieces, whatever. And I did the number and it was really, really funny. And I put it on Twitter and it's like blowing up right now. Like, let me check the thing. It's at 363,000 views. <gasps> oh my it's God. almost at. 7,000 retweets and 18,000 likes. <laughs> so oh. it's like popping off. Love that. It's really cool. But that that I'm really excited about. Okay. I'm thankful for all the like attention it's getting. And I'm thankful that even people who have been following me for a long time, they're like now they're, they're saying like, oh, it's taking you this long to realize that this bitch pops off like this. And I'm like, okay, fair. Thank you for the people who have been following me and like supporting this shit from the very beginning when I still had a beard and was like not pretty and 
just was like doing drag for fun. <laughs> Thank you to all those people. But on the, the same side, people are like coming for my look calling it they're like well this is this is him from the powerpuff girls and i'm like well this is also false because in the caption to the video it says are you feeling it now mr krabs so you know it's mr krabs right second i've done him three times prior like and it's even on multiple merch pieces that are available for purchase Mm -hmm. like so and then so on top of that they're like well this is him blah 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 blah. now i have drag queens coming for me Oh my God, this is so good. It like just happened. I got the notification because one of my friends texted me and was like, girl, do you see this? So let me pull up the screenshot. I was like, what's going on here? Okay. Miss Thing writes, since drag Twitter is discussing him costume today, let me remind y'all that him's costume in the car in the cartoon is fur trimmed like evil Santa Claus, not edged in tool or feathers or like any of the other bullshit drag queens be gluing to a leotard for their him cosplay. And someone was like, do you see that? And I said, hold up. So I copied the link to my tweet of all the photo set of my sickening photo shoot that I did. And I said, so what's thesis? <laughs> like, <laughs> first off, I don't see you pulling the look, period. And also, I'm not calling myself a cosplay drag queen. But when I'm doing a character, I'm trying to get it as close to what in my head is the character. Mm-hmm. So in my head, based on the cartoon version of him that I saw, mm-hmm. he had tool. Mm-hmm. That doesn't look. That doesn't translate to me as fur, and it wouldn't translate well as fur. So therefore, I did my him in the cosplay version of what I translated. But also, why couldn't you just retweet and be like, "She looks sickening. Good job." <sighs> Especially when all that is free. Anything on social media is free. Right. A retweet, a favorite, a comment. It's all free. I, I said that to somebody the other day. I'm like, when you see your sister or your drag brother, whatever, if you see them popping off and you want to like give them a little love, that doesn't hurt you at all. Right. So give them the retweet. Be like, oh, my God, my, my baby's popping off. Go off or like whatever. That's free. And it also shows because when then you do something really good, they're going to do the same for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's just like a mutual support of each other. And I'm like, girl, why are you trying to indirectly drag me and not even tag me? Stop tearing each other down or That's other people. The it's so right. like, like at the end of the day, like it's this is all for fun. Like it's all, um, you know, smoke and mirrors and makeup and, and like, it's all like, shut up. I hate when people do that. Cause it's like, honestly, I think him would look awful with fur. I'm just going to be honest. I've seen it. Because my him is so good. Like, I'm not not tooting my own horn, but like tooting it. Like Like, Fifi O'Hara did it as part of her 365. Hers was good too. Yeah. And I consider her to be like, you know, like the cosplay queen at this point because of everything she does. And I think she did it with Tool. Like it, it doesn't, it's it's so much more i'm just it's just so much more faggoty with tool like it just uh, works exactly in my head in my head when i like saw the cartoon character i'm like this is how i'm going to make this cosplay work and cos- and mm-hmm. also she's like a cosplay queen like, yeah that's her thing and if her mind is working in that way too because i did him the first time i did him was four years ago for halloween before i was even doing drag mm-hmm. and then i was like okay let me rebring this character back now that i know how to do a little like my makeup's a lot better so I did it again and it was better. But then this really good photographer reached out to me and was like, I've been wanting to shoot you doing this for a while. Let's just, let's bang it out. And what we did is we filled for one of the shots, we filled my tub with ice and shot it. Like I was a lobster on ice and it's like, I was freezing, but it was so worth the shot. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. It's on my Twitter. It's like the third thing down. It's like, I just remember my friend Gabe was over filling the tub with ice. He's like, are you okay? And I'm shivering. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Yeah, it's worth it. Worth it for the shot. Oh, they're gorgeous. Thank you. It's so good. Oh, I love the little like heart candies. Oh yeah, we did those and we got those from like Party City and then we just crossed them out and did whatever. I think this is great. I don't know what she's talking about. Thank you. <laughs> How the fuck did they confuse Ugh. him with okay. Mr. Krabs? Anyway, because yeah, it's so clear. Like it's this clear. No. No, no, no. See see what happens we we start talking about these deep things. People know nothing. That's the that's how I well, feel no, today. They, they know, know nothing, nothing. But um, if you want to see what we're talking about, go on Twitter and look up at the Miss Toto. You can see all yeah. of it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> our so oh, you're gonna do your attitude. I am. I'm sorry. I, I got. Sorry. Yes, go let's do it. I got sucked into a Miss Toto hole on Twitter. Um, <laughs> 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 okay. So my attitude. Um, it's kind of courtesy of a of a, of a co- co- well soon to be former coworker of mine because um, I got a new job so I won't be there very much longer. Um, but she was discussing this concept the other day of uh, different types of um, uh, coworkers, right? So you have the people who are uh, willing and able, who are kind of you know like go getters and they're team players. You have the people who are um willing but unable which are those who are essentially kind of underutilized you know and then you have the people who are unwilling and able and those are people who have everything at their disposal aren't being held held back at work like you, you know they have the access to to um achieve what they want to but they're unwilling to contribute or be a part of the team and and you know i feel like we all come up come up against those people who are unwilling and unable so my attitude goes out to those people because it's uh being unwilling and unable is is infectious in the workplace in a in a team environment um in any type of situation where you're working with other people you know because that attitude gets kind of transmitted and then it's um it, everything becomes you know atrophied um and so that that's who uh, my attitude goes out to because those people and i've encountered quite a few in in my life and in my work they just um they suck all the joy out of doing uh, your job, whether you love it, which is my case, or, you know, it's just something you do on a daily basis. So stop being unwilling and unable and try and be willing and able or fix it if you are willing, <clears throat> willing and unable. Um, and my gratitude goes out to Jennifer Lewis. Um, I am listening to the audiobook uh, for her book, uh, The Mother of Black Hollywood. And it's actually the first audiobook I've ever listened to, ever. And she's amazing. Her Her voice is so soothing and her stories are really um they're all lessons but the the one thing that i'm grateful to her for among among many things is that she is so open about her battle with bipolar disorder and um and mental illness and seeking help and how that's done and and medication and as somebody who suffers from depression and anxiety and a person of color um I'm very aware of how mental illness is stigmatized in, um, you know, in, in my case, like the Hispanic community, because it's like, as soon as people hear you're going to a therapist, oh, you're on medicine. It's like, you know, you're halfway to the loony bin and they're coming for you, you know? Um, and I like that people like Jennifer Lewis are coming out and talking openly about it and normalizing it, because I think then, you know, in, in this country in particular, mental health is a huge 
issue and it's not addressed properly, particularly in uh, communities of color. So that's who my gratitude uh, goes out to because I think that she is doing more good than she can even possibly fathom by just talking about what her truth is. So I love that. (laughs) And part two of that is that her book is really funny. Yes, her book is amazing. Yeah. Um, If I get a chance to read it, I will. I mean, uh, I, yeah. Once I finish Party Monster again. (laughs) I mean, seriously, the audiobook is worth it just to hear her voice. It's so good. I forget the audiobook exists. Um, I really do. Yeah. I mean, I love audiobooks because you can listen to them like you would a podcast while you're doing other things. Um, And I don't know. I, I sort of feel like it's making me lazy, but. You know, I'm okay with but, it. But like, that's so smart because I'm always driving somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I could literally, wow, my yeah. mind. <laughs> <laughs> so my attitude goes out to Movie Pass, who for some reason doesn't oh want me to see Crazy Rich Asians. <gasps> I don't know why. So apparently, Movie Pass has been trying it for the girls, right? Like, mm-hmm. yep. Like when it's the slender phase of the moon in Virgo season, like <laughs> when the moon's in Scorpio. Like, don't they have you like trying it? Yes, oh, they are. They're doing the most. We Ugh, so, so we decided to go to the movies yesterday, and I really wanted to see Crazy Rich Asians, and it wasn't on the menu for yesterday because now they have a menu every day. Um, so we ended up seeing the Happy Town Murders, and I mean, it was fine, but it wasn't Crazy Rich Asians, no. and that's what I wanted to see. So, um, movie pass, uh, yeah, get your shit together, or give me my money back. Um, yeah. And my gratitude, um, I was just, I just finished listening to the audiobook of Roxanne Gay's book, Hunger, which I have a, um, I have somewhat of a similar relationship to being overweight that she does, um, in that I've, I've been overweight for most of my life. And so, um, but I've never felt more like I, like I've never felt less alone than I did hearing her talk about all of the thoughts I've had for the past, you know, 20 something years. And just wondering like, do other people worry about the size of chairs when they go out to dinner or, you know, having to ask for a seatbelt extender when you fly? Like, I didn't think other people thought of those things and she made me feel less alone. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, yeah. So that brings us to the end of our episode. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this with us, Ms. Toto. We're so excited to yeah. meet you. Can't wait. We're going to have so much fun. Yes. Oh um, can you tell our listeners where they can follow you on social media? So on all of my channels, um, it is the Miss Toto. So that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, but Vimeo, but YouTube tried me. <gasps> so try, I know. So I'm only, I'm the Miss Toto 305 on YouTube. Wow. <laughs> I know. It's so annoying, but whatever. It's mm. cool. It's fine. I'll get it one day when I'm rich enough. Right. Buy it for somebody. Well, we're Grizzly Kiki on everything. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so you can follow us there. Send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com, and maybe we'll read yours on the air. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on Friday. (laughs) 